Marigold Street Parade Written by J. Smith Norman Stoker sat in his usual chair outside the Fantankerous Coffee House on 15th and Marigold Streets and unfolded his newspaper. He scowled at the colorful broadsheet for a moment, scanning the headlines and photographs through a pair of unflattering reading glasses. His expression, too, was unflattering and, combined with a long, unkempt Van Dyke, gave him the appearance of a bloated satyr in a suit. In the fashionable section of Hazelton, his old, worn gray business suit was just six months shy of being distractingly conspicuous among the young business professionals gathered for their late morning caffeine boost. It had been that way for five years, ever since Stoker retired. Same seat. Same spot. Same direction facing the park. Same order placed at the counter and the same stubborn refusal to stand and wait for it. After five years, the staff of Fantankerous knew Stoker, or Mangoat, as some called him, and simply obliged him. As many would say in their own way, keeping him outside was better than letting him stand there and glare as they worked. As other customers cycled through the coffee shop in a rush to their next obligation, Stoker took his time, lingering on a story about an attack on a homeless man in the park just across the street. A young woman in a purple apron delivered a large coffee to the table and quickly vanished back into the crowded shop. Stoker looked at it for a moment as if unsure what it was or where it came from, remembered, then opened the newspaper to continue following the story that had his attention. Stoker maintained his look of disgust as he read the details of the attack that took place some time before midnight and left the victim in a coma at City Hospital. He lost interest in the story when it changed its focus to the broader homeless problem in Hazelton. He checked his watch just as the second hand crossed the top of the face reporting noon on the dot. He looked up from his watch and let the paper drop to the tabletop. Across the street, the sidewalk and running trail began to fill with afternoon joggers and power walkers, dog wranglers and old men claiming tables for their regular rounds of chess and dominoes. Stoker removed his reading glasses and began his survey of Marigold Street from the north end at 14th all the way down to 15th. None of the faces prompted any reaction from him at first. At 12.02, a pair of women turned the corner at 15th and began the jog north. Stoker tracked them as they ran, eyes narrowed and focused on the young blonde, perhaps twenty-five, with long legs and nylon shorts, upper body straining against a blue sports bra. He considered the brunette in black running pants and bright yellow sneakers. Her long, curly black hair fluttered above a bulky yellow nylon jacket. His gaze lingered on her backside until they weaved in between a group of tourists. Over the next several minutes, Stoker watched the crowd parade along the street, his face contorting and relaxing between vague interest and the suggestion that he'd just smelled something foul. A little girl of five, pretty in pigtails and a spring sundress, held his eye for a moment. She gripped the hand of what may have been her grandmother, an older woman in pink sweats and a bad wig that looked like the remains of a small dog. The child looked up at oncoming pedestrians, astonished by what must have looked to her like giants. The pair disappeared into the crowd, replaced in his attention by a tall, thin African-American woman in a gray suit jacket and skirt carrying a leather satchel. Her eyes were wide, and her smile brightened by glossy lipstick. Stoker paid closest attention to her legs and gray stockings, the knee-high black boots with thick-pointed heels. He followed her until she turned up 15th Street, 
giving him a brief but clear view of her backside pressed into her tight skirt. Once gone from view, Stoker sat back in his chair and took a sip of his coffee. A fat man with olive skin and greasy black hair in a suit that looked thrown over him in a hurry headed south talking on a cell phone. If he were more animated in his walk, it might have been considered dancing. He collided with a smaller man walking a small dog or a large rat, knocking him to the ground. The fat man kept walking without giving any notice or assistance, and Stoker couldn't make out what, specifically, the small man yelled after him in response. Through it all, Stoker kept watch on the bush and the hedges at the edge of the park, looking for someone who was not there, looking between branches and limbs, then back to the sidewalk and path. One could not tell if the look on Stoker's face was disappointment, contempt, or perhaps just constipation. By twelve-fifteen, the crowd thinned a bit, leaving only health-nuts and hardcore chess-players on his personal stage. Stoker turned his attention back to the newspaper, turning directly to the obituaries. He fingered to the exact page and spread the double truck of local deaths before him like an Italian restaurant menu. Glasses back on his face, he read each one carefully, staring at each photograph as if trying to recognize the subject. Stoker read the third-to-last obituary on the page three times, the left side of his face twitching, then drooping, his sneer expanding the right side of his face, opening up to expose yellowing teeth. His eyes scanned the page again, unable to lock on any one point. Confusion and fear crossed his face, alternating as Stoker touched his left cheek with his right hand. His numb left hand slipped from the table, pulling the obituaries along with it. The shifting weight of his dead arm pulled Stoker's body into a tumble from the chair to the concrete. He appeared to deflate or fold into himself before his temple struck the ground where he laid twitching and shaking the chair with his foot. The breeze buried him in newsprint as strangers rose in a panic, some reacting to the crack of bone on cement as if it were a gunshot. Some looked up and around as though a sniper might be taking aim. Others advanced on Stoker's body, calling to him, anxious to help someone who had been invisible only moments before. Stoker shook violently in the growing pool of blood around his head. A woman holding a cell phone screamed for someone to call 911. And all that time Norman Stoker's eyes were open, watching the park from a distance through cracked eyeglasses. Across the street, an old man advanced his black knight against his opponent's bishop and declared check. Two pretty girls made their second lap around the park. Someone looked up from his novel and glanced casually at the crowd of people gathering around something at the coffee shop across the street. From the trees, a man urinated on a bush and held himself just a little tighter watching a pretty jogger pass. The parade of commerce and recreation on Marigold Street continued unabated and unimpressed. <laughs>